Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And Father, we ask that you give us wisdom uh, in hearing your voice and following you and uh, going through our trials so that we can uh, fight our battle better with the enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to continue with Trials of Faith, Prepare Us for Battle, number five. We're going to call this first one, uh, Personalize Your Relationship, Anonymous. With a direct relationship in Christ Jesus to our Father, there is no middleman to corrupt and steal anything. He has and His will be done through us. I felt uh, that the enemy tries to get in between us and God and steal what God has for us and what we can do for Him. Very true. Put me first, he says, and I will put you first forever. I felt we need to seek Him to do our best to give Him everything since it all belongs to Him. Uh, John 17 and 10 says, uh, by the way, uh, And all things that are mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Meaning his people. Concentrate. I can reveal and guide you in all things. Trust in me. I have every good gift for you. I was reminded that the Lord can bring to our memory what I thought I had forgotten. And I also felt that when we make a mistake uh, to never look back, but to focus on the finished product. Yeah, uh, Psalm uh, 119 and 27 says this, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I meditate on thy wondrous works. In John 14 and 26, He shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said unto you. A good promise. John 16 and 13, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He shall guide you in all truth. We can count on it. Uh, Keep trying on task. And uh, his note is uh, attempt and don't worry about how, it's about why. We we willingly do so as he puts it all in us. And keep trying with desire. Seek him and his will be done. It reminds me of Matthew 6 and 33. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And Proverbs 2. 4 and 5, if, if thou seek her, that is wisdom, 
as silver, and search for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Keep trying as Christ in us would sow. We would be uh, refined for the kingdom. Amen. And that's uh, Colossians 3 and 17. And whosoever you, whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. There is much to learn and do. Just concentrate on the moment. Be at peace. Do not get too far ahead of the current day. A good command from the Lord. Uh, Matthew 6 and 34. Be not therefore anxious for the morrow, for the morrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And also James 4, 14 and 15. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? For you are a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall both live and do this or that. Amen. Lay down the blocks and build for the glory of the kingdom. We are to give all our all to the Lord to build his kingdom. Amen. And Psalm 145 and 12 says, To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of his kingdom. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Wherefore, exhort one another and build each other up, even as also you do. We can, uh, we can give nothing for God without offering our old life as a burnt offering on the altar of the fiery trials we go through. And we can't offer to him a blemished sacrifice of a life, as he said. And Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Amen. We, uh, we can't uh, live in the world and love the world and serve the Lord. First uh, Peter 2 and 5, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Am I important to you? Then say that this is so. So we need to let, uh, we need to confess God to man and glorify Him to man. Uh, that's what we're here for. Amen. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me, he said. Also, Matthew 10 and 32 says, Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father, who is in heaven. We're here to be a representation of him. Be patient and faithful, uh, he says, which are, of course, the fruits of the Spirit. And Hebrews 6 and 12, But imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We have to be patient in our faith to see things come to pass. Mark 11, 23 and 24 tells us to speak it 
and believe we have received and we'll have it. Amen. We're lambs among the wolves, but I went before you and made it possible for you to to conquer in all trials. So he suffered before us and he enables us to have a relationship with our Father, the same relationship with our Father. Luke 10 and 3, Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs in the midst of wolves. Nothing you are experiencing is harder than what my son suffered and showed. His love for you was clear. See and know by faith how close I am to you. Cherish it. Amen. This should be our our first love and only love, right? <laughs> At the top. Question yourself. Is what you are doing out of love? Not how others can love you and benefit you, but what are you from their point of view? Would I approve of what you are doing to them? 1 Corinthians 16 and 14 says, Let all that you do be done in love. Galatians 6 and 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. Why do you want to do it? In love for me, or for self, or because of fear? Or is it because I am, and love conquers all? Ah, that reminds me of Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Doing nothing through faction or through vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, each counting other better than himself. Not looking each of you to his own things, but each of you also to the things of others. And also 1 John 4 and 16. And we know and have believed the love which God hath in us. God is love. And he that abideth in love abideth in God. And God abideth in him. Amen. Many have come before me and failed. And uh, a comment here, he said, I felt there have been many who thought they were righteous and deserved to be accepted into heaven, but were denied for their self-works that were not for his glory. This is true. Now, we don't need to get ahead of him. He made the way for us. I am the way, right? We watch his footsteps. (laughs) Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace... Have ye been saved through faith? And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works that no man should glory. Rest in the promises and know why I need you. Well, comment is, he paid the ultimate price for us and has heavily invested into us to meet the need for those whom he has chosen. This is true. And he says, even a tiny light can overcome, overwhelm, and destroy the pitch-black darkness. I was reminded of a watch I wore. I'll comment here. 
when I was a child that I pressed a button and it was bright enough to see the dark at night. John 1 and 5, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness apprehended it not. Very true. When you're a light and everything around you is darkness, you show up well. Right? Speak and be the image of my light and my word, as my Son has given you example. Be strong to never let anything change the Christ in you. We are conquerors, is the, con- is the comment here, by his faith. Um, you have two ears. You can't shut your ears, but you can shut your mouth, the Lord says. Well, uh, my thought is uh, two ears and one mouth show that we should be quick to hear and slow to speak. We, we have uh, more ears than we have mouth, right? That's designed that way on purpose. And uh, comment was, I felt very convicted on what and when I should speak anything or if I should say anything at all. True, you know. My thought, Psalm 141 and 3, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. So there's, there uh, lacks no sin in much speaking, the Bible says, right? Be strong. Nothing can separate you from me. Do not let the darkness be able to cover the light. How can that be? Well, it's kind of like this in Matthew 5 and 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under the bushel, but on the stand, and it shineth unto all that are in the house. So, let your light shine, right? The Lord says, You are dear and nearer to me, than even the breath you have inside of you. Yeah, Romans 8 and 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Amen. Reach up, grab hold of me. Do you not see I await you, and that for an infinite eternal love relationship forever? Come, let us up together. And that reminds me of Ephesians three sixteen through nineteen that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inward man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, to the end that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be strong to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. So basically, the uh, breadth and length and height and depth of Christ is the fullness of God. Then we call this one LED. It's also anonymous, 1823. This was given. I saw myself as an LED on a giant electronics board. There were billions of chips, transistors, diodes, all sorts of linked in intricate ways, and many other 
LEDs too. Then I saw the LED as myself, light up as a small flicker. Then it was more consistent and brighter, and I felt that the power flowing through me was able to make the LED light shine. When aligned correctly to the way of the Lord, the great designer. Soon the LED grew so bright that nothing else of the bulb could be seen other than this intense light. So, I mean, the old flesh can't be seen. Uh, the brighter you get, that's what the only thing gets to be seen, right? Like a light bulb. You first turn it on, you see the container. But as it brightens, you don't see that. Then the Lord placed his hand on it, and the LED was able to spread to other areas on the electronics board as the other LEDs were lighting up and getting brighter. Amen. And all this is an act of God. He's a good coordinator, and he's bringing everything to a point here, you know. N-E-N-T, John 8 and 12. Again, therefore, Jesus spake to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Who followeth me shall in no wise walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. Matthew 5 and 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. In Matthew 5 and 16. uh, Thus let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in the heavens. In Ephesians 5 and 8, For you were once darkness, but are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we need to let our light shine to those around us, especially in these days. Uh, Many people are, of course, marching towards destruction in these days. They need somebody to stand in their way and share with them the light. And this is a, a video game revelation also given to Anonymous 2022. I know this revelation may seem strange, but I used to play video games, and one particular video game came to me through a vision. I used to play before I was saved, but since I have repented and have nothing to do with them ever again. God is like the video game designer, and he is also the one playing the game. He has control over all things in the game. God only is sovereign and in control of all of our trials that have been specifically and personally designed for each of us, and he alone is sovereign over the devil and our enemies. This is true. We can trust in him. It gives great rest to know that he is sovereign and that he's working all things together for our good, right? I saw a video game that was a top-down view over a vast area of control. I saw how there were many things being done as though looking on the face of the earth and all of the people and what the Lord created. As I was watching, I saw many developments and changes occur. The perspective then zoomed in on one particular person who was the size of an ant. The person was in a frantic state, 
shaking their arms about and yelling up at the sky as though to the man in charge of the view above from above. We should not be fearful or doubtful during trials, agreeing with what we feel and see, but instead only believing and speaking God's word and casting down everything contrary to the word. We should ask God to give us grace to have faith during a trial. Amen. In the midst of it, don't fall apart. Talk to God. Second Corinthians 5 and 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. We, we have to remember the Word of God in our hearts, right? He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I, I know people who have been very faltering, but yet they uh, play the Word of God in their ear constantly off their phone, and it does such a good job on them. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And uh, 10 and 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The people were crying and asking for help with words in bubbles of all the things they could not do. You know, the little bubbles that comes up on pages where people are speaking and it puts their words in the bubble, right? Then just as quick as they cried out, uh, and were answered, they ran off and did more of their own things. Yes, uh, people, there are a lot of people like that. They just want the problem fixed so they can do what they want to do, right? Job 35 and 9, by reason of the multitude of oppressions, they cry out. I felt this had to do with the Christians who call out to God for help, and once that thing is fixed, they quickly forget the Lord and run off to please their flesh. This is common. Psalm 106 and 13. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. True. And First Peter 5 and 7. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he careth for you. Hebrews 4 and 13. And there is no creature not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and laid open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So we don't want to just be users of God, right? We want to have fellowship with God so that he walks in us and talks in us and does his work through us. And this one we called uh, Choose the Wild West Wilderness. This was Samuel 5, 4, 17, 23. I saw a vision of a pros and cons list. First on the right was written Christ, and on the left, Antichrist. Written underneath the Christ column was Christ is life, and on the opposite column were the words death and fake life that has an end. Yes, there's a lot of fake Christians out there who are not bearing the fruit of Christ nor uh, are coming into agreement with Christ so that Christ can live through them, right? I then saw myself standing inside an old Western-style saloon bar, and I ran outside onto the dirt street 
into the hot sun, and I knew that this is life. John 10 and 10, I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. The bar doors were still flapping, and I didn't um, even want to look or go back into that saloon bar. Through the trials, we are given a choice to choose life or death, uh, the spirit or flesh, Jesus or the devil. And I would say, in other words, leave the beast kingdom of delusion of spirits, the way they use spirits in the world, you know, and enter the wild west uh, wilderness with Christ to find real eternal life. Amen. Some people are so distracted with everything in the world, they don't have time for the Lord. Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Colossians 1, 9-14 For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray and make requests for you, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, to walk worthily of the Lord unto all pleasing, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power, according to the might of his glory, and unto all patience and long suffering with joy. Giving thanks unto the Father, who made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have our redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And also Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you being in time past alienated and enemies in your mind and in your evil works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him, if so be that you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached in all creation under heaven, whereof I, Paul, was made a minister. Amen. So it takes time and thought to um, continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the gospel, the good news. The things of the world want to drag you away from the good news that is the power of God to save, right? Power in the Word, we call this, Samuel 5, 4, 28, 23. I saw in a vision how fire, too close, will melt the fake, plasticky flesh, the carnality of vanity, 
And he says, submitting to God's word in trials and tribulations caused the old man to die and for the spirit of Christ to shine through us even brighter. Psalm 119 and 28 says, my soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Then, as the length of exposure increases, the flesh will then catch fire and burn. And then, the fire will spread to whatever is involved, like to witchcraft evil and to those in apostate corporate, in the apostate corporate body. So, Isaiah 33, 14 and 15 says, The sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling has seized the godless ones. Who among us can dwell with the devouring fire? These are people, of course, that don't want to give up their life. Uh, They want to flee the trials and the tribulations, which are the way to Christ. Who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings? Those who want to lose their life to gain their life. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from taking a bribe, and that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from looking upon evil. Yeah, there are many people that come to us and offer us evil, and we've got the rules laid down in the Scriptures, but many ignore them for different reasons. And are taken. Judges fifteen four and five says, and Samson went and caught three hundred foxes, and took firebrands and turned tail to tail, and put a firebrand in the midst between every two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing grain of the Philistines, and burnt up both the shocks and the standing grain, and also the oliveyards. So, the strong man, right, who was Jesus, stronger, he was stronger than the devil, right, burned up the fruit of the old man to conquer our promised land. It's a done deal. Then I saw a soldier wielding a buckler to defend at the perfect time, without any indication of an attack. Just prepared and ready. So when a threat is exposed to the elders, there is then the full arsenal to be set to defend the whole body, much like a commander of an army organizing the troops. A buckler is a smaller for personal close contact fighting, A shield is for a much larger attack to remain in position. Psalm uh, 35 and 2, Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Yeah, well, his word is a defense. We must utilize to defend and fight for his kingdom in unison as one body in Christ. Psalm 91 and 4, He will cover thee with his pinions, and under his wings shalt thou take refuge. His truth is a shield and a buckler. 
So these are uh, wisdom of the word to defend against the wiles of the enemies. Many people, you know, go frantic when they're attacked by the enemy, but we need to use the shield and the buckler. And we call this Replace the Dross, Anonymous, 429-23. I heard in prayer, pause, think about me and what you are doing. Nothing in this world is perfect, and there is brokenness everywhere. Bits and pieces fall off things all the time. Well, we know that we're perfect by faith, but not necessarily by manifestation. And the faith in the Word enables us to get there. Psalm 147 and 3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. When filled with my love and Holy Spirit and led by Christ, there can then be growth into the eternal prize that I desire. Amen. Wrestle and pin down the enemy. Raise the flag of victory. <clears throat> well, I thought when I um, read this that the Lord has given us victories over our enemies on many fronts here and uh, and overseas. And uh, it seems to be a timing for us like in Isaiah 59 and 18, it says, According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. And that is happening here and overseas. We're seeing great victories. The enemy has been surmising the largest possible attack to stop my children from reaching their potential. Keep focused and look unto me and my promise. Remember, I need you, and you are indeed important to me. How do you get rid of dirty hands? Wash them. Then I saw us actually applying the blood of Jesus by faith and washing all areas and replacing everything and thought it was with his presence and victory. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the victory you have given unto us. So we call this Defeating the Dragon with Jesus' Help. And this was given to Marie Kelton, 1027-23. During the worship part of the meeting, the enemy was attacking my mind, but I was telling him to leave me alone. I then had an open vision of me putting on a white medieval helmet that covered my nose. That's the helmet of salvation. It protects your minds from the fiery darts that the devil wants to fire in there, right? <clears throat> I was in a cave, and there was this big black dragon. I had a sword in my hand, and I knew I was supposed to kill the dragon. The dragon tried to attack by breathing fire at me, but I was able to avoid it by stepping behind a wall. Well, walls represent sanctification, you know, and there's safety in sanctification. 
uh, a wall that was in the cave. I then stood back in front of the dragon, and I was wondering how I was going to defeat it. Then I saw Jesus come behind me and step inside my body. Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? Then I was able to swing the sword and cut the neck and the head off the dragon, off its body. So Jesus is the Word who lives in us, and when we speak the Word, His power defeats the enemy. Uh, Philippians 4 and 13 says, I can do all things in Him that strengtheneth me. So we're in the process of casting down the dragon of Revelation 12 uh, as the angels fight for us and we confess the blood, uh, which of course gives them power over the fallen angels, right, the demons. And Ephesians 6 and 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Acts 17.28, For in Him we live and move and have our being. Amen. Uh, we called this The Fiery Trials. It was by Milt Green. I want to share it with you. Peter said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are upon you to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. That's in 1 Peter 4, 12, 13, and 19. The fiery trials today are the efforts of the world, the flesh, and the devil to turn our hearts away from God. Every man will either come through the fire and be precious gold, uh, with a divine nature, in other words, or else he will be a vessel of wood, hay, and stubble, which is burned up. And when the pressures and trials come, if we strike back at others, we break God's law and give the fiery serpents ground to build strongholds and destroy us. If anyone has a foundation built upon carnal doctrines, they have a false security. The fire will destroy all of those who walk after a form of godliness because they walk in disobedience. And anyone who stands on their carnal doctrines as a foundation is not standing on the Word of God. Their foundation is sand. They themselves are wood, hay, and stubble. And in the fiery tests, the fire will consume them because they have no hedge of protection from God. No other foundation except the Lord Jesus Christ can survive this fire, but he that heareth and doeth uh, not is like a man that is without a foundation, built a house upon the earth, 
against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. That's Luke 6.49. Everyone who follows after a doctrine that does not conform them to godliness is destroyed. And when you have a false security, you do not act on the word of God. Paul wrote, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire, of the powers of darkness, shall try every man's work of what sort it is. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians three twelve thirteen and 11. And this is why we need the true apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ until Christ's love is perfected in us. And as you know, of course, that the um, the man-child Jesus came and ordained apostles first and sent them forth to ordain the fivefold ministry. And there was a restoration of that by the man-child at that time, and it will be in this time too, a restoration of this. It goes on that we uh, henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, as in Ephesians four twelve through fourteen. God has been testing the hearts of men since the day He put Adam in the garden. He offered Adam the tree of life or the tree of death. God still tests the hearts of all creation. Only the ones who love the Lord with all of their hearts and put their faith and trust in Him will survive the fiery trials of this world. All others will break God's laws and be under the punishment and judgment of the law because their hearts love idols more than God. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lusts of uncleanness and despise government. Second Peter 2, 9 and 10 We either resist the flesh and the temptations of Satan, or else we walk after the desires of the flesh in unrighteousness, in which case we stay under the judgment and punishment of God's law. Now, he's not talking about the law of the Old Testament. He's just talking about God's law. We, we have a, a law in the New Testament. It's not treated as a law. It's treated as grace, but it's still God's law. And Jesus said, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die, 
for I have not found thy works perfect. And that's because you are not being perfected in love, right? I've not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard uh, and hold fast and repent. Hold fast to the gospel, right? It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth it. Believe the good news. Don't study too much the bad news. Believe the good news. You will have power from God, right? If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. In other words, in judgment. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. He that overcometh. Overcometh what? Well, that would be the world, the flesh, and the temptations of Satan, of course. He that overcometh shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Revelation 3, 1 through 3 and 5. Jesus is coming first like a thief in destruction. Jesus did not come the way the religious leaders expected him the first time. Neither will Jesus come the way the religious leaders expect him this time. Hear, ye deaf, and look, ye blind, that ye may see. Who is blind as he that is perfect, and blind as the Lord's servant? The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness' sake, that he will magnify the law and make it honorable. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses, you know, by the powers of darkness, obviously. And they are for a prey, and none delivereth, for a spoil, and none saith restore. Obviously, putting on the armor of God makes us invincible uh, to the devil. Amen? People don't spend time doing that. Most all of the armor is all related to putting the word in your heart. Who gave Jacob for a spoil and Israel to the robbers? Did not the Lord, he against whom we have sinned? For they would not walk in his ways, neither were they obedient to his law. Therefore he hath poured upon him the fury of his anger and the strength of battle, and it hath set him on fire round about. Yet he knew not, and it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. Ah, a lot of people don't. They just consider it the normal Christian life. <laughs> You know, um, this is all, this is Isaiah 42, 18, 19, and 21 through 25. The sleeping church is being destroyed today, and they don't even know it. They will scoff at warnings such as this. The fires of destruction are already being poured out among us, and the scriptures are not enough to lead most of these people out of darkness. This is the reason that only a remnant can hear. The others will not wake up. Uh, for them, it is business as usual. God warns us in His Word. Likewise also, 
as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it remained, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And of course, Lot was going to that little city he spoke about because it's not a lot of people that go there. Even in the parable of the sower, we can see that. But he escaped, and his wife was double-minded. She turned around and looked, and she became a pillar of salt. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, right? He won't receive anything from the Lord. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Whoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life, shall preserve it. And this is how Jesus comes, as a thief upon the spiritually dead congregation that will not wake up and repent in these last days. The hedge is lowered, and he no longer restrains the hordes of the powers of darkness, which have been unleashed against the spiritually dead, fallen away church. And if you read these scriptures through the eyes of a carnal doctrine, you will be led to believe that the men who are taken from the bed or out of the field are raptured rather than destroyed by fire. And this is how the deception of darkness have come upon us today. This is why people are being burned and they pay no attention. And they don't see God as sovereign. They don't see God... Uh, when the devil comes against us, they don't see God in this, right? This is the fallen away church today, which practices sin or lawlessness. The remnant will love the Lord Jesus Christ with all their hearts. They will be perfected in love and holiness. No one will be able to counterfeit the love that is perfected in the remnant. You will know them by their fruits. The stumbling blocks will also be evident, and they will be destroyed. Another parable, parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Well, tares are evident because they bear the fruit of the flesh. Their fruit is very small and uh, not very observable. Matthew thirteen twenty four through 26. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. That's Galatians five nineteen. When we practice the deeds of the flesh, we bear the wrong fruit and break God's law. This is how men who teach doctrines that do not conform you to godliness lead you to walk under this, the judgment and the curse of the law. And this is how the church is being destroyed in the fire today. They have no fear of God as they teach a form of godliness and become stumbling blocks to others. The blind follow the blind and never bear the fruit of love. 
In fact, they cannot because they are tares. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. Matthew thirteen forty and 41. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. And there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. In other words, hate, anger, bitterness, sickness, pain, etc., and then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew thirteen forty nine fifty, and and forty three two. There are hundreds of different denominations and teachings in this country today, and each one has its own form of righteousness. But there is only one true righteousness, and that is walking right in God's eyes. And when we establish our own righteousness, we do not submit to the righteousness of God. Israel departed from the law and righteousness of God to establish their own righteousness. Religions do that. We do this, we do that, so therefore we're okay. But what about straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel? Well, Paul said of them, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel, that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Romans 10, 1-3. When the wicked think he is righteous in his own eyes, there is no fear of God. He is blinded to the judgment of God because he has a false security. And that's how millions are blinded to the judgment of the law today. Yes, and they create doctrines which uh, protect them, you know, from any um, change that God wants to give them through the word. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. For the moth, that's the powers of darkness, shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever. Isaiah 5, 1, 7, and 8. The righteousness of God stands forever because only the righteous will survive. God has set up laws to destroy those who are wise in their own eyes and will not submit to the righteousness of God. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth, that means remains or continues, in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. John fifteen five and 6. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, 
so shall you be my disciples. God's kind of agape love is the proof of discipleship, right? John 15 and 8. Jesus sets us free from being slaves of sin to become slaves of righteousness. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness, a pure heart, in other words. Romans 6 and 19. Paul said, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end eternal life. Through obedience, we have a pure heart and we are perfected in love to the fullness of the measure of the stature which belongs to Christ. And when the Word of God and the Holy Spirit have removed the selfish nature of Satan, we no longer live for ourselves. Therefore, we have the nature of God and the love of others as Jesus loved us. And we have laid down our lives so that we can walk in God's kind of love. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Uh, he envieth not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own way, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Charity, which is God's kind of agape love, never faileth. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, I have not but have not charity, I am become as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, uh, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. So the God kind of love is the only love which can love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Amen. And the ones who come through the fire will have this God kind of love, which is the divine nature of God. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for your wisdom, and we thank you um, for drawing us and giving us a desire to be corrected by your word and to hold it very close to us uh, and to put time in on it so that we have your conscience and uh, serve you and not just be religiously lost people. Thank you, Father, for this. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, and uh, Brother Michael and the brethren are going to continue with a word from him, through him. And we thank you so much for that, Father. We ask that you bless them mightily. 
by your gifts of grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. It sure is good to be back with you. And I thank you so much for being with us today. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Let's pray and ask the Father for some help today, okay? Lord, precious Father, we thank you so much for your grace today. Lord, give us your presence today, your powerful presence. And we thank you for your anointing, Lord, to encourage the saints and take all fear and anxiety out of our hearts concerning the days ahead. And we know, Lord, that you have awesome big plans for us, and we want your peace in every place that we go. You taught us, Lord, that we can keep perfect peace in those whose minds have stayed on thee. And keep our minds upon you, Lord, and on your word. Then, Lord, help us to stand on the rock. Father, concerning the things that we see in here, don't let us be moved by anything but your word, Lord. And we ask for this grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, as you probably already know, it looks like there's some mighty shakings of God just around the corner. The Lord doesn't want us to be troubled about it, though. It's all part of his plan. He is a sovereign God. And he works all things after the counsel of his own will, and a man can receive nothing except it come from heaven, Ephesians 1 and 11, John 3, 27. That's what the Bible says. And we can trust in him because he does according to his will. He reigns upon the heaven and earth, what the Bible says. So we can trust in him. These shakings are coming in order to bring a whole bunch of folks into the kingdom. And yet, Folks, we don't want to be anxious or fearful concerning these things that are fixing to happen. We want to be at peace. We want to be able to be used of God when these things happen. You are totally useless to God if you have anxiety and fear. You can't be used of the Holy Spirit. Now, the devil knows that. He's making war on the saints. He's about to make a great war on the saints for some period of time. And those that walk by faith ain't got nothing to worry about. Those that draw close to the Lord and depend upon him, even for their faith and their grace, they ain't got nothing to worry about. But folks, there is a great weeding company. In this, God is going to use these shakings to separate the church and to bring out from the apostate church those people who want to walk with the Lord and have a gift from God to walk with him. You know, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent the disciples and the 70 out on a kind of a on-the-job training. This is a foretaste. It's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in our day in the beginning of the tribulation period, because the things that have been are the things that shall be. The things that have been are the things that shall be done. We're coming into a great time of grace, and the Lord is going to show up also. He's going to be manifested in his people, Christ in you, the hope of glory. His first fruits man-child ministry 
are going to be able to do the same things that Jesus did in his first fruit ministry. Also, in raising up disciples and even sending forth two by two, all this is going to be repeated. We're fixing to see some great, mighty things that the Lord is going to do through his folks, through his people. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, And the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us in thy name. Well, I know some of you already know this, but the overwhelming majority of Christianity doesn't. Even the overwhelming majority of God's elect don't know this, but they're going to. And they're going to come out. They're going to be led. They will be disciples. And then they're going to shake the world, glory to God. And so they were filled with much joy to find out that the demons were subject unto them. Remember that Mark 16 and 17. And these signs shall accompany them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out demons? We have been given authority over demon powers. And it's a wonderful thing to see people set free. But can we defend ourselves against these demons? Because the attacks are coming. The warfare is about to go forth against the saints and God's people. And those who walk by faith are not going to have anything to worry about. Now, can I share with you a moment about fear and anxiety? And mostly I just want to talk about anxiety. You know, once the Lord has put his word in your heart, and you have been experiencing walking in that, it's real hard for fear and anxiety to come into your heart. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to prepare us for the things to come. And I know that some people won't be prepared, and they're going to be shocked. They're going to be fearful. But I believe they're going to run to the Lord for their refuge. And then God's going to teach them how to walk in peace and rest. Now let's read some more out of Luke chapter 10, starting in verses 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan fallen as lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority, verse 19, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall in any wise hurt you. Verse 20, Nevertheless, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. They came back rejoicing that the demons were subject to them. And again, Jesus mentioned to them about the spirits being subject to them and that he has given them authority to tread upon the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, serpents and scorpions are the spirits that he's talking about and their spirits they were exercising authority over. There are two, two, two different kinds of spirits. Now, let's take a look at that because it's got a lot of bearing on anxiety and fear and how to deal with it. And the first thing is that there are serpent spirits, and the Bible clearly identifies that in Acts chapter 16 and 16. And it came to pass, as we were going to the place of prayer, that a certain maid, having a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. 
Well, here we've got a soothsaying maid that was troubling Paul. Finally, he'd had enough of it. And he turned and he cast out that spirit of divination from that soothsaying maid. <clears throat> it is a spirit of false prophecy. And the original Greek, Greek word there means a spirit of python. The word divination there means a spirit of python. In other words, a spirit of divination is a, a serpent spirit and a big one at that. And as you know, serpents have poison, and the poison is in their heads. Serpent spirits are deceiving spirits. They have to do with your head. They make war with your mind. False prophecy does that, along with all the other serpent spirits. They bring deception to mankind. However, it is the second group here that I need to point out to you. The scorpions is the ones that I want to deal with. He said, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And tread means to put them under your feet, under your authority, under your dominion. And we exercise dominion over them. That's what it means. The word scorpions here in the Greek is scorpios. And that's where we get our English word scorpion. Jesus in Luke chapter 11 was making war against the demon powers and teaching his disciples how to make war against the demon powers. And in Luke chapter 11 and verse 20, it says, But if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, then is the kingdom of God come upon you. Obviously, Satan doesn't cast out Satan. It's only the kingdom of God that gives deliverance from Satan and his demons. Luke 11:21 says, When the strong man fully armed guards his own court, his goods are at peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he takes from him his whole armor, wherein he trusted and divides his spoils. And we know that that's exactly what Jesus was. He was stronger than the strong man. He conquered the devil, and he gave us that authority over him too. He passed this on to his disciples. He gave them authority over all the power of the enemy. And he was dividing their spoils, glory to God. You see, we are plundering the devil's kingdom when we preach the gospel to somebody and they believe it. Guess what? They were delivered out of the devil's kingdom and into the kingdom of God. The same happens when we heal the sick and when we cast out demons also. And that's our job, folks. We all have a job to do in plundering the devil's kingdom. Luke 11 and 23, he that is not with me is against men. He that gathers not with me scatters. So we need to be on the Lord's side. He ordained us. He raised us up and he wants us all to have a part in this. And no matter where we are or what we're doing, we work for the kingdom of God and we represent the king of glory. We are ambassadors of Christ and we speak for him in this world. And we go forth to do his works in this world. He said, these things shall accompany them that believe. And so if you are a believer, you got a right to do those things that Mark 16 speaks about. That is healing the sick, casting out devils, speaking in tongues, 
using the gifts of the Spirit and doing the works of God, bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth. Luke eleven twenty three says, He that gathers not with me scatters. And that word scatter here is the word scorpizo. And it means to penetrate and put to flight. Well, you know what a scorpion does, right? It's a very small creature. But it's frightening because people know the pain, the trouble, and the poison that can come from it, right? You know, there are some small creatures out there that frighten people more than big creatures sometimes. You remember when the Israelites were going into their promised land, God spoke to them several times and said that he was going to send a hornet out ahead of them to drive their enemies out from before them. Well, yet we all know what a hornet is, right? It's a real small insect. Uh, boy, it's got a sting in its tail, just like the scorpion. The poison is in its tail, not in its head. It goes forth, and boy, let me tell you, it can put a lot of folks to run it. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever been chased by one of them before, but it can put you to running too. And of course, God was using the hornet as a type and a shadow. In the same way he was using in here for the scorpion to penetrate and to put to flight. We've been told to take up the shield of faith where, wherewith we can quench all of the fire darts of the wicked one. We need the shield of faith whenever we're attacked by these scorpion spirits because their job is to cause you to run. And they can do it. And they can do a real good job of it too. The Lord has taught us that several of these scorpion spirits basically cause God's people to give up the battle in the face of the enemy. And two of the big ones are anxiety and fear. And of course, there's also guilt, rejection, shame, and unbelief, which is another real strong one. And those things cause God's people to give up the battle. But knowledge of the word of God and understanding who we are in Christ, that he has delivered us, gives us the power over them. Because all these things cause God's people to run from the battle, the real battle. Not to take up their sword of the spirit and shield of faith and helmet of salvation and conquer the enemy. He says, if we're not with Jesus, we're against him. And if we're not gathering with him, then we are scattered. And of course, if you're not plundering Satan's kingdom, what's happening? He's plundering you. You can't have it both ways. It's either one or the other. The Lord has given us the victory in Jesus Christ. And we know because of the sacrifice that he gave that we have been given the victory. He said this. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's already conquered the devil. That evil one, he conquered sin. He conquered the curse. He conquered sickness. He conquered it all at the cross. And it gives us authority and power over the devil. You know, we should be able to defend ourselves against the fear and anxiety that's going to attack a lot of folks when they see the fearful things that are coming on this world. And it's quite normal and natural for the wicked to run and to be fearful. And to be moved by what they see and what they hear and what they feel. But it's not for us. Proverbs 28 1 says the righteous are as bold as a lion. But the wicked flee when no man pursues. 
And it's quite normal for the wicked to be anxious and fearful, but not for us. Because we need to hold fast that bold faith that the Lord has given to us so that we're not given in to any of this. There are things that you can do that will totally take away your defense against these demon spirits. And one of the most important ones that deliver many of God's people over to the power of these demons is just unforgiveness. And it's one of the most common ones. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 34 and 35, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due. And so shall also my heavenly Father do unto you. If you forgive not every one his brother from your hearts. If we don't forgive our brother from the heart, the Father will turn us over to the tormentors until we pay our own debt. Many of God's people don't realize that they're laboring under these demons and they can't get the victory. They can't overcome. They ain't got no confidence. They've got no gift of faith and they don't understand that it's because they've got unforgiveness, bitterness, and judgment. Listen, every one of those are related. They got that all against their brothers. Jesus is not a liar. He said the Father's going to turn you over to the tormentors. And you know one thing that we have to do, folks, is to have a clean conscience. That is, if we want to have boldness before God, don't we? First John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Man, that's a place of safety right there, isn't it? We don't have to worry about a thing. We just ask God, and God answers. Oh, to God. First John 3.22 says, Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. In other words, we have a clean conscience. And that ought to put the fear of the Lord in you, not the fear of anybody else, right? For the Lord himself is the only one we have to please. Glory to God. First John 3.22, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. First John 3.21, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness toward God. Listen, if you want to be ready for the things that are coming, just know that Satan is going to send fear and anxiety out there too. They're going to lead the pack. And usually what happens is people see something or hear something, and all of a sudden the devil is there to penetrate and to put to flight. He's there to attack. And that's when we need to be full of the boldness of the Lord and realize we're dealing with the enemy. This is not our mind. This is the devil attacking our mind trying to bring us down so that we will be totally useless in this battle. You know, one thing that we have to realize, folks, is that this is sin. Many times people think on these things and they think this is just a weakness in them. They don't have the faith that they need, but the Bible calls this in Hebrews 3 and 12. Listen to what it says. Take heed, brethren. Lest happily there should be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away from the living God. Then we're told in Revelation 21 and 8. But for the fearful and unbelieving, well, you see there it's a sin. It's thrown in there with all the other sins. An abominable 
and murderers and fornicators and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So you see, this is a sin. You know, when you're tempted with fear and anxiety, think about it. It's a sin. Many people don't treat it like that. They pacify it. They think about it. And they they talk around it, and they give in to it. And I want you to know the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. The Bible says when that comes, it is of the devil. And it's in order to manipulate us and to move us to react instead of act according to what the Word of God says and come against it. The devil wants to put us to flight before him so that he can continue to plunder us. But we need to be bold in our faith. We have been given authority over him in everything, and nothing shall in any wise hurt us. Well, does that word actually mean that? Yeah. Yes, it does. It means that nothing shall in any wise hurt us, but is only effectual when you mix it with faith, according to Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. The word didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard. So you see, we have been given dominion over anxiety and fear. And we ought to know from God's word that these things are going to come. And these things are going to come because God said he was going to shake everything that could be shaken. So that the things that couldn't be shaken would remain. God's going to bring down this world through these great shakings. And he's going to do it in the lives of his people. Events will occur that you and I have never seen on this earth. In fact. Things that have never happened before are going to happen. They're going to put the fear of God in his elect. However, in the wicked, the fear of the devil, the fear of the curse, and the fear of the things that are coming upon the world, the hearts of men are going to fail them for the fear of the things that are coming upon the world. But God's elect are going to have his patience, and they're going to have his peace in the midst of this. And I ain't saying that they're going to have it all of a sudden and at the beginning, but they all are going to grow into it. They're all going to understand what it is to serve the Lord. They're all going to be highly motivated because of the things that are coming upon the world. And yes, these shakings are coming. But I want to tell you that we need to call fear and anxiety what God in the Bible calls them. And that's sin. God has given us a deliverance from this. We can count on it because God has delivered us from all sin. Hebrews 10 and 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He delivered us from sin. John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus took away our sin. Jesus took away fear and anxiety. We don't have to put up with it because he did that, right? We don't have to put up with it. But we can partake of the peace of God in the midst of great destructions upon this world. They're coming, folks. They're coming fast, too. And it's a trick of the devil to immediately show up with fear and anxiety when something like this happens. 
but you need to cast it down. Because you see, we are children of the king. We are here for our own purpose and not for the purpose of the world. What the world is going to go through and take a penalty for, we don't have to take the penalty for because our Lord Jesus already took it. He became a curse for us. He bore the penalty. And what should we fear? Now let's take a look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, In nothing be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Well, since we have that authority and those promises with God, what is anxiety? It's unbelief. You and I don't believe that the word of God is true when we give in to this temptation. It's sin. We need to look at it as sin and cast it down like we would any other kind of sin. And the ones that are mentioned, they're in uh, Revelation 21 and 8. But for the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and fornicators and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their parts shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Well, you wouldn't think of doing some of those things that are mentioned there. But would you consider fear and anxiety the same way as a sin before God, as unbelief before the king, as someone who is not justified because he's not letting God be true and every man a liar? Well, we see here it's real plain, isn't it? And nothing be anxious, Philippians 4 and 6. And who says that? God. And why? Because he's absolutely sovereign. We don't have to worry about anything. He's already got everything under control. So let's go back to verse uh, 1 in Philippians chapter 4. Wherefore, my brethren, beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. I exhort Eodia, and I exhort Sentice to be of the same mind in the Lord. Well, you know, the Lord wants us to stand steadfast and he wants us to be unmovable in him. He don't want us to be moved by what we see or what we hear. Because you're about to hear and see some horrendous things that happen in this world. And he don't want us to be moved by that at all. Just remember, we are the ones here that God has given a demonstration to. He, we are the ones he wants to teach. He doesn't want to destroy us because he's got good plans for us. Keep that in mind. And all these promises concerning you are true, and they are true for you. So he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2, I exhort you, I exhort Eudodia, Eodia, I'm sorry, and I exhort Sintice to be of the same mind. Eodia means to be successful in reaching a goal, to succeed in reaching. Sintice is just the opposite. It means to meet with an accident. They're opposite names here. They got opposite meanings. But sometimes you just walk in the success of the Lord, and sometimes you meet with an accident, right? Well, what's he saying? Be of the same mind, no matter which one you're going through. And as a matter of fact, he says something over in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. 
Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therein to be content. Be content? Why? Because everything that comes to you, saints, comes to you from the hand of God. He wants you to trust in him. Well, we got Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. He says, I exhort Euodia and I exhort Sintice to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yea, I beseech thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women, for they labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Yes, they do. They labor with all of us in the gospel. And they labor with us in our own life and bearing fruit and on and on and on. We learn that God wants us to be stable and not moved by our emotions up and down and moved by every wind of doctrine, by everything that happens in the world. He don't want us to be blown around. He wants us to be stable. He wants us to be steadfast on his word, just like a standing on a, on a rock. And with the merciful, God's going to show himself merciful. And with those that will have mercy towards others and be forgiven towards others, God's going to show himself the same way. Sometimes we do a lot of harms to ourselves in the way that we relate to others. Like uh, Matthew 18.34 says, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due. And so shall also my heavenly Father do unto you if you forgive not every one of his brothers from your hearts. He turns you over to the tormentors. And so we need to be merciful and we need to not be moved by success or failure. Philippians 4 and 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your forbearance be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So much more today. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, don't worry about nothing. Just lay your request before God. And didn't he say in Mark 11, 24, Therefore I say unto you, all things whatsoever ye pray and ask for, believe that ye received them, and ye shall have them. Are we going to be anxious, or are we going to be uh, believers? Anxiety here is totally, totally against faith. Revelation 21 and 8 said, But for the fearful and unbelieving, their parts shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Folks, it's a sin. It's a sin against God. And so if you know that, you know that you can cast it down. You can put up your shield of faith and quench that fire dart. You don't have to let that scorpizo penetrate and put the flight your heart in your life. There's too many people out there not acting on the word. They're reacting to what the devil is doing around them. So guess who and what they are ruled by. If you're, if they, if you are not ruled by faith, you're going to be ruled by fear. He that is not with me is against me and he that gathers not with me scatters. So if you want to be moved and ruled by the Lord, then remember 
that this is a sin. This anxiety and fear comes immediately after some disaster to people's hearts. And that's the devil seeking to bring them into bondage. And it has to be cast down immediately. And so he says in Philippians 4 and 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. That's what we need, the peace of God in the midst of turmoil. When the world looks at you and wonders why you are at peace. Then, of course, Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Glory to God. Keep your mind on what God has said and on what he has taught you. And cast down everything else that the devil fires your way. And the Lord is going to keep you in perfect peace while people are falling apart around you. They're going to be going this way and you're going to be going that way. And you know because when you react to the devil, he's hurting you in the direct place he wants you to go. And what's he proving? He's proving that you're one of his pack. If you follow him, you're one of his. And what are we proving in these wilderness tribulation, in these trials that we're going to go through? These things that are really not accidents. Because nothing can come into your life by accident. They are trials from the Lord to show us he has absolute control over everything. Otherwise, how can he say and nothing be anxious? That he works all things together for your good. You know because he is in absolute control. And you can trust him. You can rest in his promises. So don't let anxiety or fear affect you. Cast it down. Now let's read a little bit further down here. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Well, that's exactly what Isaiah 26 and 3 said. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Who is the truth? Jesus Christ, the word of God. Then it goes on and says, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. Well, we want to believe and remember the good report, don't we? And it don't make any difference what happens in the world around us. We have to hold fast to the good report. When the Israelites were moved by fear and anxiety, they cried out to God who they thought had brought them to that wilderness just to die. And that's foolish. You only think that away when you're under the dominion of fear and anxiety. The Lord hadn't brought us anywhere to fail. He brought us there to teach us to be sons of God. And if we will only keep our mind on him upon the word of God and the good report, glory to God. Remember, they listened to the bad report from the spies who didn't have any faith in God. They believed that they couldn't conquer that land or those people, those giants, which actually represented their old flesh. He said, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Refuse to think on the things that are going to destroy you or cause you to be manipulated or to be herded before the demons of the devil. 
hurting so that you can partake of their curse. And the things that you learned, you received and heard and saw in me, these things do, Paul said. Follow me as I follow the Lord. Even today, folks, when you see people that are following the Lord and are a good example, you can pay attention to their witness and their testimony. And others, if they don't have that, then don't pay much attention to them. There are many people out there speaking out of their theology with no experience whatsoever. They hadn't walked with God by faith. And they're leading God's people into Babylon. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. The things which you have both, which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And that's what we want, folks. We want to walk in the peace of God. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou would keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. That's what we desire, folks, to walk in peace. If we permit the devil to penetrate our defense, which is faith in the word of God, our shield of faith, then we allow the fiery dart, the stinger, to come through our defenses. Then we're going to be overcome by emotions. And we'll be doing what the world does and falling under the judgment of the world. And that's exactly what the Israelites did in the wilderness when they fell under the judgment of the world and under the curse of Deuteronomy 28. They died in the wilderness instead of overcoming and entering into the promised land like Joshua and Caleb did. Then it says, but I am persuaded of better things of you. Paul said, I am persuaded that the Lord is able to keep you and to bring you through these troubling times in boldness and in courage. Glory to God. And make sure, as 1 John 3.21 said, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness toward God. Make sure that there is nothing in your heart that's going to hinder because you are being obedient to God. Nothing in your heart that will separate you from that boldness that God gives to those that are obedient. 1 John 3.21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness toward God. Philippians 4 and 9 says, The things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's one place in the Bible where Jesus spoke about anxiety, and it was in Matthew 6, and he spoke it six times, and he didn't do that anywhere else. That was in the story of Matthew, chapter 6 and verse 19, and I'll read that. Because it's where an awful lot of people, a lot of Christians struggle. And we're heading toward a wilderness trial here, folks. And one thing you see in a wilderness trial is that the Lord suffered his people to see lack. So he'd find out what they would do. He suffered them to be tried so he would see how they would react. In all these places that the Lord led his people, Israel in the wilderness, it was from one trial to the next to see lack ahead of them. And of course, they had an opportunity to be penetrated by fear and anxiety and begin to run in the opposite direction of God, to, be, uh, to begin to cry out in unbelief and accuse God of things that he had no mind to do to kill them in the wilderness. You know what? They finally convinced him. They convinced him because that was exactly what they needed. It was their fault. 
because he said in Numbers 14:28, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, surely as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Well, they had faith for it, and he gave it to them. Matthew 9, 29 says, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Folks, anxiety and fear is faith. It's just negative faith. Faith in the curse and in the devil. And I want to tell you that God is going to let you have it if you believe it. If you believe what he says, you're going to give what he gives out. And the Lord has given out his gifts of faith and boldness. Now, let me read what Jesus had to say concerning his provisions for us in the times to come. Now, I know some of you don't believe there's anything to come but peace and prosperity to God's people because of how special they are. Well, I just want to tell you, you're missing history. So, read the Bible again. God's people went through fiery trials. They were hated of the nations. And let me tell you that Jesus said the same of us. Matthew 24 and 9. And shall kill you and you shall be hated of all the nations for my name's sake. Some of you have never gone through any of that or being hated or others. None of us have gone through what we're about to see, the hatred of the whole world against Christianity. The Lord is rising up a real big enemy against his small group of elect, exactly the way it was with Israel. But you know, that the Lord is doing all of this in order to show himself strong on behalf of them that have put their faith and trust in him. Jesus talked about the provision that he's going to have. The Lord is going to take a lot of worldly possessions away from his people in the days to come so that their provisions will come from heaven. He's going to provide for his people. And in this chapter, Jesus mentions it six times. And the Greek word for anxiety is the same one we just read in Philippians 4 and 6. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And it's all, it was always about their provision, the things that they needed in which to live in the wilderness. Now let's begin in Matthew 6 and 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth consume, and where thieves don't break through nor steal. Why is it? that God's people feel like they need to store up things for the future. Many people's confidence is in what they can store up, not in what God promised he'd do. And that's where their confidence is. In fact, he goes on to mention mammon. Now let me read on a little bit here. 6.21, For where thy treasure is, there will thy heart be also. Meaning, of course, your treasure is something that you stored up as a provision for your future then that's where your heart's going to be. He said in Matthew 6 and 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. 
In other words, an eye that is single is not an eye that is set upon its own position, not set upon things that has been stored up or saved up to save self in the days to come. That's not what it was on. 23 says, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness? Well, an eye that is dark is an eye that has its confidence in the things of the world. Now, I'm going to prove that in just a minute here. Now, he said in verse 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Well, two masters. What's he talking about? Well, he says here that you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon here represents trusting in worldly treasures that are stored up or hidden. That's what it means. The full meaning of it, trusting in the things of the world to provide salvation. Is what it means. And as you know, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God permitted them to have something they trusted in, gold and silver. And that was given into their hands by the Egyptians, by the world. And again, they made an idol out of this, meaning they trusted in it. God wanted them to be tried in this way because he was the one that permitted them to go out there with his gold. But, his plan was to try them to see if they would be faithful. And what happened? Well, they were not faithful. They made an idol out of that gold and the thing that they had stored up to preserve them through their wilderness trials. God wanted to meet their needs out of heaven, and that was his plan from the beginning. He had to get that gold out of the way, and he did. He had it all ground up and thrown in the creek that they were at. They were even told to drink it, glory to God. In other words, I hope you remember this lesson. You know, that was the whole point behind this lesson. And so the things that people trust in, the things that they are storing up for the times to come, they are doing because they don't believe the word of God. They don't believe what Philippians 4.19 says. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. They are anxious, troubled, and fearful. They trust and have confidence in mammon. The eye that is evil, the eye that is not single. Let me read on and see if Jesus confirms this. Matthew six twenty five. Therefore I say unto you, be not anxious. Well, there's one right there. That's the same word, baraneo. The same word that we just read in Philippians 4 and 6. For your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. We don't have to worry about these things. We don't have to worry about in our own strength, preparing to preserve ourselves for the day to come. Many people say they get words from the Lord about this. And I want to tell you something. We're coming to a time when God wants to prove his power to save you by signs and wonders and miracles. Not by your old worldly methods. God's provisions came out of heaven to God's people. He didn't want them to be anxious. He didn't want them to be fearful. What he did want was them to trust in his provisions. So he ran them out of everything that they provided for themselves when they came out of Egypt. He ran them out of food and water and all of these things. And then... He provided for them. 
He got the water out of the rock. He got the manna out of heaven and quail out of the sky. And that's why we're coming to the exact same time in history, except this time is for the church. And once again, God's going to provide for those who believe. And he says here, is not the life more than the food and the body than the raiment? Behold the birds of the heaven that they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. And your heavenly Father feeds them. Have you thought that if you could not provide for yourself, if the economy went down, which it's going to, and you couldn't work, that God would not provide for you? Well, I guarantee you he will if you walk by faith. In the word, so not, is God teaching that you don't need to work for a living? Well, obviously not, because if a man doesn't work, he doesn't need. And I believe there's going to be a great exchange in these days. God's people are going to finally wake up, glory to God, begin to take the Great Commission seriously. What did Jesus say in Luke eleven twenty three? He that gathers not with me scatters. He wants us gathering. He rises up disciples to do his work of the Great Commission. And now, if you're not working for the world, you can work for him, right? Even the birds and the flowers work for him, but they don't toil in the world. And God still feeds the birds and the clothes, the flowers. And he says in Matthew 6 and 26, Behold the birds of heaven that they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. They're not storing up their treasures, their food for the days to come. And your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not ye of much more value than they? And which of you by being anxious? Well, there it is again. Can I add one cubit unto the measure of his life? Well, we know that anxiety does nothing but destroy you physically, mentally, and emotionally. It brings sickness. It tears down your immunity. It brings sickness into your life. Anxiety does that. Faith can beat anything, but anxiety can do nothing except bring you more harm. Matthew 6 and 28 says, And why are you anxious? There it is again, concerning raiment. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Oh, glory. But if God does so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? God's going to take care of this, folks. Don't worry about a thing. Some of you are going to lose your job that you prize so much. And maybe your high standard of living. However, you're going to exchange your attitude towards the world and the things of the world for one that's like those disciples in Jesus' day. Christians were plundered in Jesus' day. When they became Christians, when those Jews became Christians, they were plundered. Ain't nobody would do business with them. They couldn't do business with the world. Basically, they were in the wilderness, folks, yet the Lord provided for them because they put their trust in him. Matthew 6, 31 says, Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? 
Well, I wonder why he keeps mentioning the same thing. Because he knew the carnal nature and he knew the trials that were coming for the Jewish Christian in these days. They were going into their tribulation. Jesus spoke this in the beginning of the first three and a half years of their tribulation. And he knew what they were going through and what we were going to go through in our day. And that's the same thing. And I'm telling you, there's a great economic collapse coming. And yet God has made this this promise. And he's going to provide for his people. <clears throat> the first thing you need to do is don't give in to any anxiety or fear. Know that God has said he's your Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide for you in everything. And he wants to show you his glory. He wants to show you his power. So don't be fearful. Matthew 6, 31. Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles. That was the hint, that was the heathens at that time, right? Seek for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. He already knows this. You ain't got to worry about it. You don't have to beg. You don't have to spend hours and hours on your need. All you got to do is Philippians 4 and 6. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You're not going to be heard for you much speaking, folks. So don't be fearful or anxious because of what you see. Or because it appears like you're coming to the end of your own provision. Because God may be bringing you there. And he's going to ultimately do it. And you need to be at the end of your own provision so that you can receive God's provision. He wants to show you a miracle. He wants to show you many miracles. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Can you imagine that God is going to make sure that you're going to be provided for as you seek first his kingdom? That is, seeking to build his kingdom both in your life and the lives of the people around us. Seek first his kingdom. And what do we say? Well, he's going to make sure that you are going to have everything that you need. And, of course, you're not going to have a love of the world because the love of the world is sin. The love of the Father is not. And I would say the overwhelming number of Christians have a problem with the love of the world. They are even taught that in their prosperity-minded churches, now I ain't talking about the prosperity of the body, I'm talking about the prosperity of the world. They have to have the things of the world, right? Matthew six thirty-four. Be not therefore anxious for the moral, for the moral will be anxious for itself. That is six times that Jesus mentions this word anxious. It's about our provisions. It's about our needs being met by God. He said he'd take care of it. He said sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Y'all remember that command by Jesus, don't you? He said don't worry about tomorrow. The Lord's going to take care of it for you. You don't have to be fearful. He said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 32, fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Glory to God. It sure is. Now look at 
Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about by serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister did leave me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. But the Lord answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, for Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Folks, we just need to do one thing, and that's sit at the Lord's feet. Don't be worried and anxious about how to serve God or what to do in this world. There's just one thing that is important. Sit at his feet and listen to him. Well, God bless you. We're out of time. We'll see you next week, God willing. Can quench my thirsting soul. Purest water make me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, Shining rays of red and white, Jesus, I trust in you. Sacred heart in you, I find mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Jesus